Okay, well, obviously, we're in a season of life that none of us anticipated even really a handful of days ago. But uh, what I wanted, hopefully, to do was to establish some sort of a rhythm, especially for our church life. We may have other people uh, join us as well. But uh, get some time for uh, on Sunday morning, 1015 at our normal service time to try to keep that rhythm, kind of some extended prayer and Bible study. And then on Wednesdays at this time, seven o'clock, to take about 10 minutes or so uh, tonight, just with some housekeeping stuff. I'm not sure if it'll be a few minutes longer than that or not. I'll try to keep it brief. But for some brief prayer uh, and Bible study. So what I would like, especially if you are here and you're part of Ashley River Baptist Church, is to just make it a commitment to try to join us at this time. If you can't, we totally understand that, and uh, that is not a problem. We will hopefully uh, upload these videos, assuming I don't get fooled by technology, which has happened before, but upload these uh, to Facebook and YouTube so that hopefully uh, people can watch them later. Uh, my hope, particularly in our Wednesday times together, is that these will be an encouragement. So there are a lot of ministries that the Word of God has in our life, but I'm uh, prayerful and hopeful that this time in particular will be encouraging in per, uh, with this particular idea that we serve a God worth trusting. And so we're going to try to demonstrate that that's true from God's word and then also uh, work to experience that together as well. One of the uh, kind of buzzwords right now is uh, social distancing. And one uh, sort of byproduct of that can be uh, what can feel like spiritual distancing. Uh, we don't gather in community with our local church. God designed us for community. So what are ways that we can try to maintain some semblance of spiritual community, spiritual closeness, even as we experience uh, social distance? And ultimately, we know we can't replace uh, the gathering of the church together. This is, frankly, a poor substitute for that, as I'm learning, even that I don't know exactly what I'm doing here. But we can seek to communicate with each other, to care for one another. And so our hope is that this time together um, is that. So in these times where we're not able to be uh, physically present together, really we're trying to, as a, as a church, to increase our ministry of communication, as in uh, keep in touch more regularly, hopefully not uh, annoy people with the frequency of uh, emails and posts and that sort of thing, but really make an effort since we can't touch base personally uh, to, to communicate with one another. And also we'll talk about this more Sunday morning in a focused way, but also the ministry of prayer. This is a time where we can't physically be together, and yet prayer is something that we can do uh, from anywhere. And as we do this, as we care for one another, hopefully our, our, uh, our, our prayer in addition to this is that what Jesus said in John 13 is true of us, that by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so our prayer is that our love for one another is clearly seen even in the midst of, of, of a time where we can't be together. So let me go ahead and open us with a word of prayer, and, uh, and we'll dive in here. God, thanks so much that you are a good God who reigns over all things. Events that we see as ordinary and we anticipate, like the sun coming up, but also things that are unanticipated and in many of our lifetimes unprecedented. God, I thank you that you are good and gracious, that we can rest in who you are. Uh, there's a sense of unsettledness uh, in us, in our community. And so, God, we pray that you would uh, settle our hearts as you reveal your character to us. Lord, I pray for um, those particularly who are uh, vulnerable and at risk right now. 
uh, to this virus. Lord, I pray that you would be merciful, that you would uh, spare life in surprising ways, and also that you would point people's eyes to Christ as our only hope. Lord, as we come to your word now, help us to understand it. God, I pray that the work of your spirit in our hearts would be an encouragement to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so some ground rules. Uh, first of all, my encouragement would be that if you have a copy of God's Word, that you use it as we do this. So we're going to be doing something uh, that we call inductive Bible study. So this is different than uh, what you often experience uh, at church, um, and certainly than what I do on a typical Sunday, which is more kind of studying and then taking something, taking God's truth to you that way. Really what we're going to try to engage in here is a process of uh, discovery. Now, I know everyone won't be in a position to, uh, to open God's Word, and that's fine. I'll read it. Um, but I think one thing that will be uh, cool is to see some of these things ourselves as we uh, work through this. Another thing is that you'll get the most out of this if you uh, dive in without distraction. So by just by definition, what we're doing right now is filled with distraction. There are a lot of other things you can do. Uh, text, game, I guess not go out that much, but uh, but there are a lot of things that you can do to distract yourself or to be distracted. So let's just take a handful of minutes and, and dive in here together and focus together. So this is voluntary. You're being here. But what I would ask is just a level of commitment from you in our time here uh, together. So to, to try to participate, uh, we probably won't be able to necessarily uh, verbally just because of the number of people here, although um, maybe we can kind of figure out that that, that that works as we go along as well. And so really part of this is that we, we at some level get out what we put in. If we put a lot in, we get a lot out. And if we don't, we don't get much out. So we're going to walk through the text together and uh, really ask God to open our eyes as we do this. So this week we're going to be in Psalm 91. Psalm 91, which is an encouragement really to God's people and especially uh, in a time like this. So I'm going to read uh, Psalm 91, the first eight verses, and we're going to start there. So Psalm 91, uh, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the error that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. So as we start through here, uh, just kind of some introductory setup. Uh, the way this psalm is structured is in, in three parts. There's a brief introduction in verses one and two, and then the bulk of the psalm is in verses uh, 3 through 13, and then we've got 14, 15, 16, kind of a closing stanza at the end. And so you could call it three parts, three movements, uh, three whatever, but there are three main sections here. And so as we do this, we're going to look at uh, the first section, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 3 to 8, which is kind of the first half of uh, the second section. So we look at verses 1 and 2. One question I think that would be helpful for us to ask is, what titles do we see for God here? And there are at least four. Uh, so here the psalmist uh, calls God the Most High, uh, the Almighty, uh, calls him Yahweh, the Lord, and calls him God. And as we look at these uh, titles, along with them, there are pictures or metaphors to help us understand who God is. Uh, refuge, uh, fortress, someone who provides shelter and, and a shadow. 
And as we look at these things, what, what would those things indicate to us? As we look at the title, titles for God, uh, Almighty and Most High, what did those indicate to us? Well, they indicate to us at some level that God is able to help us. God is an almighty, powerful protector, and he's someone that we can look to and trust, and he's actually able to help us. If God weren't almighty, then, uh, then he wouldn't be worthy of our trust in, in the same way. And so as we, as we see this, God has the power to protect us, and he tells us uh, this with the names that, that he gives us. And so the second thing we see with the, with the pictures is we see that God is a refuge and a fortress, is that God is a safe place. And so what we see here at the end of verse two is that God is a God worthy of trusting. He's a God we can trust in. And when we trust in him, he is completely reliable and completely able uh, to help us. So this leads us then to uh, the second part of this in verses uh, three through eight. Now, one thing, as we read through God's word, it's not always evident to us in English uh, how God is using different pronouns. So, for instance, uh, the word you can be singular as in you individually, or it can be you as in y'all, all y'all. And one thing that's neat about this psalm, a lot, frankly, a lot of times in scripture when we assume it's individual, it's, it's, a, kind of, it's a collective, a plural reference. But here, all of these references to you are to you individually. And I think this teaches us uh, something cool about God. And that is not God, not only is God able to care for us, but he cares about us individually and personally. And so we walk through something like this where we feel maybe distance from our normal community, perhaps our normal uh, work, our normal rhythm of life, our normal uh, family in terms of a church family. It's easy to feel alone. And yet in times like this, God speaks and he says, he will deliver you. Not just kind of you a crowd, but you personally. And so God here speaks to you individually. And, and hear, hear how he speaks of his uh, care for us. In verses 3 to 6, he pictures um, God, his protection of us. And the first picture he uses is uh, not one, I don't know, maybe you're a bird hunter, but it's not one that we often use um, or think of. But that's in terms of how a bird cares for its young. He'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the deadly pestilence, he'll cover you with his pinions. Now, pinions isn't a, a typical word, at least in my vocabulary. Maybe you've got a much broader vocabulary than I do, and so you use it often. But it's not a word I typically use. It's just a word that means uh, the wing feathers of a bird. And then he says, under his wings, you will find refuge. Uh, the, the, when he says he will cover you, it's, it's a word that literally just means that he will cut off access like when you're under his wing, there's nothing that can touch you there. So to be under the care of this God, of this almighty protector, means that, that nothing that God doesn't want to touch you can touch you there, that you're unreachable. Um, and so this makes us inaccessible. And so we're there under his wings. As I thought about this, uh, I don't do quail hunting or anything like that, but I thought of the movie uh, Bambi, which I saw a lot when I was a kid, but haven't seen a lot as an adult. But there's a, there's a scene in Bambi where all the, uh, the animals are running around and there's some quail kind of walking through a field. It starts to rain and the mama quail puts out her wings and, and the babies hide underneath. And really that's the picture uh, that God gives us here, that he shelters us under his wings and that his faith was, is our shield, it's our buckler, which is another word for, for shield. And so God does this for us. He protects us the way a mother cares for her, her chicks, and, and you're safe there. 
Uh, verse five goes on and says, you will not fear uh, the terror of the night. This terror is a debilitating fear. It's something that, that paralyzes us. And uh, at times like this, it's tempting to, to feel paralyzed. It's tempting to feel debilitated. Like, can I, can I touch anything? Can I eat anything? Can I go anywhere? Can I do anything? It almost by definition leads us to paralysis. And he says that we don't have to fear this kind of paralysis. And he particularly talks about the terror of the night. What is it that makes night terrifying? It's because night is unknown. You can't see. And it's the unknown often that's scarier than the enemy that we know and we can see. Darkness brings paranoia because we can't see in the darkness. And yet God says we don't need to fear that. We don't need to fear uh, direct attacks, arrows that come by day. And then he talks about the pestilence that stalks in darkness. And man, if the coronavirus isn't a pestilence that stalks in darkness, I don't know what is. It's, it's, it's a disease. It's a plague that comes for you and you cannot see it coming. And so God here says that we don't need to fear that, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. This is another way of picturing uh, illness. Sickness comes during the day. It doesn't just come at night. And when it comes, God says we don't need to fear. Well, how is it that there could be things that are this terrifying, this paralyzing, and we walk through life and not fear? Well, verses 7 and 8 tell us about the extent that God goes to protect his children. Uh, verse 7, a thousand may fall at your right side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I mean, think about the, the scale of God's care here. If you're just looking at it in ratios, a thousand to one, a thousand can fall, but not you. 10,000 to one, a 10,000 can fall at your right hand, but it can't touch you. So if, if God is protecting you, literally everything around you could be falling apart, but there is no limit to God's power and protection. And in the end, he says, you can look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, that God is a God of justice and God will make everything right. Well, I come to this and where God says, you know, pestilence, plague can't touch you. Is that a promise that we will never get sick? Well, I sure hope not because we get sick. But I think it is a promise that will ultimately be fulfilled. And in Revelation 21.4, God says there is coming a day when there will be no death and no pain, no sadness. And so it's a promise that he will ultimately fulfill for, for anyone who knows God through faith in Christ. And so it's something that we can look forward to. But today, I think there's an important part of this promise uh, for today. And this promise is this, that if we trust the Lord, we do not have to fear. A thousand people can fall, 10,000 can fall. And yet for those who are in Christ, for those who know the Lord and trust him, he is a refuge, a fortress, a safe place we can hide. So as we walk through life, if you're tempted to fear, know that God is a God worth trusting. And ultimately, the question we all have to ask is, is Jesus my safe place? In other words, have I placed my faith? Am I trusting in him? And if we have, God says that there's nothing that can touch us in his care. He will shut off the access of anything he doesn't want to touch us, and we can rest in these promises. Well, next time together, we're going to look at the rest of this psalm next Wednesday. We've got a couple minutes uh, beyond here, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up with a word of prayer. Just one thing um, as, as I do this, please uh, help us, uh, Richard, Lauren, Albert, uh, Mike. There, there are a number of us still in and out at the church and still caring for and actively uh, seeking to, to, to communicate, to pray. Uh, as there are needs, we would love to know that, and we'll try to let other people know to pray as well. So uh, it'll be more difficult for us 
In fact, we're really prohibited from visiting people in the hospital right now, a number of different things about our ministry that are changing, but we still want to actively uh, lead the congregation in, in caring for one another and invite you uh, to join us uh, in that as well. Secondly, we know that this is a very difficult time uh, that there are a number of people out of work going through uh, layoffs uh, as a result of this, and including uh, some people that not really layoffs, but people who are unable to work um, given our current structure right now with uh, the CDC not being able to be in session and a number of things. So let's just pray that God will provide, help his people trust him, and that he will remove this pestilence from our land. But let's go to the Lord now in prayer and we'll close that way. God, we thank you so much that you are a God worth trusting, a shelter, a place we can hide. God, you will cover us with your wings. And even though all around us fall, ultimately in Christ, we will succeed. We will uh, survive. And one day we look forward to being free from all the pain of this world. In the meantime, God, though, we admit that this is a difficult, painful time, um, at least in uncertainty. And for some people, just in very real ways, through loss of a mobility, loss of relationship, loss of job, loss of income. So God, we ask for your mercy and your surprising care uh, during this time. God, we trust you as a good father and ask that you will care for us, your children. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been encouraging to me to know that we've, uh, we can connect a little bit. I will look forward to doing this in a little bit different way, but uh, something similar to this uh, on Sunday morning as well. So I hope you can join us there. We'll be uploading this video. And so as you see it go up, if you know people who weren't able to, to join us now, I hope you can uh, encourage them to take a look at that there too. And hopefully it will be encouraging as well. Thanks so much. Uh, have a good evening.